know what that sound means. It's another exciting installment of the Van Brawl Seasons Podcast, where we talk local sports, both the Atlanta Pro franchises, like the Braves, Hawks, Falcons, and we also talk the University of Georgia Bulldogs. So strap in, guys. It's another exciting episode about to start right now. What up, Podcast Land? This is your host, Jim and Joe, of the Fan for All Seasons Podcast. And on this week's episode, we're talking all things Atlanta Braves baseball, as well as getting a preview of the 2022 British Open, or known as the Open, with our guest of the week this week. And so, before we get into the baseball and golf conversation, it's time to get a word from our sponsor. And Fan for All Seasons is brought to you in part by Georgia Smoke Barbecue, authentic original smoked barbecue catering. You can learn more at georgesmoke.com. And so guys, I want to start out this week's show talking a little Atlanta Braves baseball. And so here's so here's how things go as far as the Braves. Where we are now, a couple of huge series right before the All-Star break, all in the National League East. And the first of these series is the Washington Nationals that the Braves just completed this past weekend. And it was a sweep and it, it was really impressive. And what it showed me is that the Braves can win in a multitude of ways. And so as I break down the Washington series a little bit, let me just remind you how the rest of the schedule goes for the Braves right before the All-Star break. So they just finished the DC series. The Mets big series comes up Monday night through Wednesday afternoon. It's a three-gamer, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Wednesday is a day game at 1220. And then they round out the remaining schedule pre-All-Star at Washington in a four-game series Thursday through Sunday. And I'll get into more of the Mets and the remaining schedule after. And so as I said, the main I was lucky enough to be there Friday night. I'll send out my view of where I was sitting Friday night as a part of our Way Back Wednesday that we do every now and again if I get to go to a cool sporting event. Um, on the social medias, on our Twitter and Facebook page. So check that out coming up on Wednesday for our Way Back Wednesday bit. And so, as I said, I got to be there Friday night. It was really fun. I got to give a shout out to my guy, Connor O'Neill, who's been on the podcast before. Connor, for those of you that don't know, is a guy that graduated with me or went to school with me at Georgia. Very good friend of mine. And he and I, along with his friend Ryan, went to the Braves game Friday night. I had a blast with those two guys. And uh, I just want to thank Connor again for allowing me and for allowing me to be a part of that Friday night. And so the game, so the game on Friday was really impressive. We saw the Braves offense explode. They scored 12 runs on 15 hits. They hit four home runs, include, including homers by Matt Olson, Cruz was in the second inning. Ronald Acuna launched a three-run homer in the third inning. Contreras, Mon- Contreras launched a home run in later in the game. And then Michael Harris hit an absolute bomb that was off the railing of the second level of the shop house. It was absolutely crushed. Michael Harris, I've gone on and on about him on the podcast. He's really starting to come in. He's really starting to come into his own. And as a Braves fan, you like, I can't tell you guys how much fun it is to watch him and Acuna both patrol the outfield. It it really is fun to watch. And the thing I'll say about the Contreras home run that was really impressive too, is Billy Bats' ability to go oppo taco, which 
means Contreras crushed it to right field. I mean, his right field power, it really is a thing of beauty. And then Matt Olson's home run Friday night was a bottle rocket. And that ball had so much height. It was probably the highest home run I've seen hit this year at Truist Park. It, it was a really fun night. Like I said, the Braves offense exploded. On the pitching side of things, Charlie Morton pitched really well. He went seven innings. He only gave up two runs. It was a Juan Soto home run, a two-run homer. That was the only scoring for the Washington Nationals as the Braves busted out in a big way, winning 12-2. I was really proud of Charlie Morton. I know he's been kind of up and down this year, but it looks like we're starting to see the best that Charlie Morton has to offer this is for the Braves here. It looks like he's starting to round into form. He's starting to use both his fastball and his, and his curveball very consistently, able to mix both and just do a really good job of pounding the zone and also being that veteran leader for, the, for this young, talented Braves starting rotation. So we jump over to Saturday's game for the Braves and Saturday's game was a little bit of a more nip and tuck game. The Braves won a tight one four to three. Austin Riley provided the fireworks hitting a two run homer in the second inning his 22nd of the year. Kyle Wright was on the hill for the Braves. He he did a really nice job. He got his 10th win and I thought the big weapon for Kyle Wright on Saturday was his curveball. He did a really good job of mixing his four seam in as well but his curveball when it's able to get the move and the bite that it does, Kyle Wright is one dangerous pitcher. And Kyle Wright's last start against Washington was all the way back in 2020. And that's when Kyle Wright really wasn't the Kyle Wright that we're accustomed to seeing now. Now we're seeing Kyle Wright be more... Uh, be more of the guy that we all expected him to be. He's starting to round into form. Pitched really well against Washington. As I said, got his 10th win. From a bullpen standpoint, it was a little bit of a tighter game. AJ Minter was, definitely had some high traffic, high stress situations, but the Braves were able to get out of it and they held on 4-3. to three. Sunday's victory, Riley walks off the Washington Nationals and so the Braves held on 4-3 to three. and then the 8th inning, the Braves were down 3-2. to two. Thanks to Lane Thomas's pinch hit homer. So the Braves were down. And then in the bottom of the eighth, Austin Riley comes up and launches a solo homer to tie it at three. Then four innings later, Austin Riley would hit a walk-off single and score Dansby, and the Braves would come back to beat the Nationals 4-3. to three. So what this series showed me, as I said, is that the Braves can win in a lot of different ways. And, you know, they could, you know, they can play home run derby, flex their offensive muscles like they did on Friday, win a tight, win a tight nip and tuck game with some good pitching on Saturday. And then Sunday, have to put on the rally cap and find a way to come back to win. That This is an example of what good teams do to bad teams. Um, what the Braves did is the Braves didn't, they weren't really messing around. They were focused, locked in, and we saw a really talented baseball team beat a very underwhelming, very, I, I'm just going to go ahead and say it, not a very good baseball team at all. So this was a really nice series sweep for the Braves. A very, very nice series sweep. So now we jump over to the Mets. So this series is one that I know a lot of Atlanta fans have had circled, me included. This is a really, really potentially going to be a very exciting series. The last time we played the Mets was earlier in the year. It was a four-game series in New York. And the Braves split that series, if you if you remember, earlier in the year. I want to say it, it was like early April or early May when the Braves were there. It was still cold I remember up there in New York and so now and so now there's this series with the Mets so Monday night is going to be a heavyweight pitching matchup it is going to be unbelievable Max versus Max Max Freed against Max Scherzer
trailer. It should be fantastic to watch. And I, I think it's just going to be must-see TV Monday night. It's also a replica ring giveaway as well. So get down in the ballpark early. Get you a replica ring for sure. And uh, make, make sure to get there early because you're going to see a fantastic pitching matchup on Friday with Max Freed against Max Scherzer. And it just goes to show where I, I feel like this series is. I think this is a huge measuring stick. I think it's more of a... I, I think to the Braves, this is more of a... We want to see how we do against the division leader. Only being a half game out. The Mets... The Mets are in panic mode, and to use, they're freaking out up there in New York. They're very nervous and anxious about this series. They pushed Scherzer back for him to pitch Monday, for him to face the Braves. Scherzer was supposed to pitch today on Sunday against the Marlins, but the Mets decided to have Scherzer pitch against the Braves, which honestly I'm excited about. I think I think it's going to be really, really cool. So as my guy Connor O'Neill would say, I think the Mets are having a Met down. They're freaking out up there in New York. They're very scared and nervous. And then the Braves, Braves down here in Atlanta, we just look at it like, oh, another series. Well, let's bring on the Mets. Bring on the Mets. So, so to kind of round out the rest of the series this week for the Braves, Tuesday, you have Spencer Strider going against David Peterson. More on Spencer Strider in a moment. I've got some really good nuggets on Spencer. On Wednesday, Charlie Morton against Chris Bassett. That's going to be on getaway day, 1220. I just received word that good, that my guy and good Braves fan extraordinaire, the man, the myth, the legend, Mr. Steve Tchaikowski will be in attendance on Wednesday. So Steve, I hope you have a lot of fun Wednesday afternoon seeing Charlie Morton against Chris Bassett. This series is going to be really, really exciting. I'm really looking forward to it. And so where did the Braves and Mets go from here as far as their next series after this three-gamer here in Atlanta? The Braves will face the Mets again twice in August, a four-gamer in New York, and then a three-gamer back in Atlanta. A couple of huge series on deck in the month of August. So now we're going to jump over to Spencer Strider here. I've got some good Spencer nuggets real quick. So Spencer Strider's last start last Thursday was stuff of legend against the Cardinals. He retired the first nine batters via strikeout and Strider became the first rookie since 1900 to have at least 11 strikeouts and two or fewer hits allowed in consecutive starts. So here's more elite company that Spencer Strider finds himself in. He's one of five pitchers with 60 or more strikeouts during his first eight starts of his career. He joins a list of Kerry Wood, who had 72 in 1998, Steven Strasburg, who had 68 strikeouts in 2010, Masahiro Tanaka of the Yankees, he had 66 strikeouts in 2014, Strider was 65 strikeouts in 2022, and Mark Pryor was 60 in 2002. And so where did the Braves go from here after this Mets series? As I said, the Braves have a four-game series against the Washington Nationals Thursday through Sunday. I expect the Braves to go up there, take care of business against DC. DC is reeling. Guys, they are not a good baseball team. They really aren't. I mean, Juan Soto is the only guy that you really need to, that there really needs to be any caution or sound any alarm bells. I'm not really that concerned about the Nationals. I expect the Braves to go up there and take care of business Thursday through Sunday, and then get ready for the All-Star game. So, so how do things break down for the All-Star game for the Braves? Congratulations, Braves. There are five, five players 
representing the Braves and Snit as well. The manager of the 2022 National League All-Stars. Man, I love, I love saying that. I'm so happy for Snit getting a chance to do it. I also thought it was very classy by Snit to add Davey Martinez, the Nationals manager on his coaching staff since Davey Martinez did not get to manage the All-Star game in 2020 after DC won the World Series in 2019. So I thought that was a really classy move by Snit. Also, Dave Roberts of the Dodgers is on his coaching staff as well. So the players that will be representing the Braves in the national in the All-Star game, Ronald Acuna Jr. is going to start in right field. I'm really fired up to see what 1-3 has in store for us Brave fans. Then we've got Travis Darneau, William Contreras, both stud catchers. You've got or in Williams' case, he's going to be a DH. And you've got Dansby Swanson as well. The shortstop race in the National League was very, very close. Dansby and Trey Turner were like neck and neck. I voted like heck for Dansby. I know Brave fans everywhere did. But Turner gets the nod over Dansby. So congratulations, Dansby making the all-star team as well. And then you've got Max Freed. Max Freed going in the all-star game as well amongst the pitchers. And so the Braves have, the Braves will be well represented. And this is something that I know as a diehard Braves fan that I have been dreaming about and been like really, really hoping to see one day. Seeing a lot of Braves and seeing our coaching staff or at least the manager co coach us in the all-star game because that means you went to the World Series. And in the Braves case, you won like we did a year ago. So congratulations to Acuna, to Freed, to Dansby, to Darno, and to Contreras. One other thing that I am excited about as far as the All-Star game, particularly for Contreras, you get to have his brother Wilson in the All-Star game as well. So I know the Contreras brothers will be very excited to get to play with each other as teammates as National League All-Stars. When I was in Chicago in June, I got to see Wilson and William play against each other. And you just see the brotherly love they had for one another, Wilson being the older brother and William being the younger brother. They're really, really cool close and I think that's going to be really cool to watch next Tuesday night as a part of the all-star festivities. So I'm really really excited about where things go for the Braves as far as this huge series with the Mets, this big this big series with DC, and then the All-Star game as well. I'm really fired up for the Braves. This is going to be a fun, fun little stretch here to be a Braves fan and all the All-Star festivities as well. Really fired up for the Braves and the All-Star festivities. That's going to wrap it up for our Atlanta Braves part of the show, and we'll be connecting with our guest of the week via the Fan for All Seasons fan line, talking some British Open golf here in one second. And Fan for All Season fans, we're back. We've connected with our guest of the week this week via the Fan for All Seasons fan line. And this guy has been on the podcast before. It's been a while for this guy. But to, get, to give you a little bit of background on our guest of the week this week, this guy is a former college golfer at the University of Alabama. He is arguably one of the biggest college basketball junkies I know. And he's also a really talented golfer. He is my good friend, Bill Van Orman. Bill, how my friend? Joe, it's, it's going well. I'm up here in sunny and probably cooler than Georgia in New York right now. All is good. I've enjoyed the, all the podcasts and then, so I'm glad to be back again. I know it has been a while, huh? Absolutely. And Bill, I think you'll appreciate this. This is a milestone for us. This is our 190th episode. So, wow. So, yeah, I can't believe I've done 190 of these, man. It's crazy. <laughs> it's so much That's fun. Well, I, 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 hate to, I hate to have your 190th be, be just me, but good to be on anyway. <laughs> Absolutely. Let's get into the golf conversation here my friend and so you recently qualified 
and played in the U.S. Senior Open at Sackanaw Valley Country Club in Bethpage, Pennsylvania. And so, Bill, I want to get your thoughts on what that experience was like. Well, it was great. You know, I'm 58, going on 59, so at my age, you don't know how many more uh, how many more opportunities you're going to get to get on a stage like that. And it had been a while. I've played in two regular U.S. Opens, but the last one was, was back in 2000. been quite a while, but it was a great experience. Nice because it was almost a home game. I mean, I didn't have to get on an airplane and travel. It was only about two hours from uh, from my home here on Long Island, or summer home here on Long Island. So it was actually kind of a home game, and it was a great golf course. And other than the fact that I played like a dog, the rest of it was pretty fun. So I'm looking forward to getting in another one here quick. Just uh, I know I can't be as bad as I played in it, but uh, but it was a really great experience. And, you know, got to see some people I haven't seen in a while. And some of these guys that are young seniors, 50 years, old you know that kind of dominated the tournament but it was great it was a great venue it was a u.s open type golf course for sure like i said i had a great time other than the golf <laughs> for sure so had you played this course previously bill i never had no it, it, it's it's been around a while i think bethlehem pennsylvania was was steel country back in the day and Beth, uh, bethlehem steel actually built it and there's three and there's actually three golf courses there so it's a really big facility which kind of need now to, to you know to host these big majors because you know, there's so much infrastructure involved and, and for spectators and everything so it was a really big a big uh, place and the golf course that we played was was fantastic but from what i understand the other two are just as good so but uh, yeah, as close as it is i had never played it a lot of our members, my members of my club up here played it. Everybody I, I talked to raved about it. And I sort of, uh, definitely feel the same way after after playing it. It's really, a, you know, they've had some U.S. Senior Opens. They had a Women's Open there. They had the U.S. Mid-Amateur there fairly recently, like five years ago. It's probably not quite long enough to hold a regular U.S. Open. We play it at about 70, 7,100 yards. And, you know, the regular open courses now are 73, 7,400. But it's certainly had that feel to it with heavy, rough, fast greens, narrow fairways. So it was really a, really a cool place, and I hope I get to play it again soon. Definitely. Bill, I want to get your thoughts. Trendy topic in the golf world, and it's the Live Golf Tour. It's gaining more and more former PGA Tour players. And so what are your thoughts on the Live Golf Tour? Yeah, boy, Joe, I, I just, you know, I hate to see what's happening. I mean, it, it certainly fractures the game, and, and I think it definitely has more traction than anybody thought it would you know it was was always thought that the best number of players would be playing the PGA Tour but I saw a statistic where when they played that event in Portland either last week or two weeks ago it had a by the world rankings it had a stronger field than the PGA Tour event that week which is which was the John Deere in Illinois so pretty scary and for guys who don't offer any world ranking points in the live event so those guys that go to live unless something changes you know they're going to start lose their world ranking so it's going to be harder for them to get in majors so I think we're probably if things don't change we're going to get to a point where the majors and who knows whether the majors are going to invite them i mean augusta occurred through a couple of members of ours that are members of augusta that they don't plan on inviting like mickelson and dustin johnson the the, the, the past sergio the past champions that have won the masters so it's going to be one of those things where you know maybe like when the usfl came into being and herschel and some of the better players went to the other league where you, you know you might have you, know, you might have some some of the better players players, you know, playing, uh, playing live. And I, I 
I like to think I wouldn't do it, but I guess if you threw the amount of money that I, 150 million for DeChambeau and somewhere in that range for Dustin Johnson, if put that kind of money in front of me, who knows what I would do. I hate to see it. And I've heard that there's going to be about three more big names drop next week once the British Open is over. I heard Matsuyama, Tommy Fleetwood, um, and I forget the third, but it was another one of these kind of young guys and a fairly big name. So yeah, it's very surprising. I mean, I, you know, I'm probably as surprised as everybody else, and I and I certainly hate to see it. You know, you really hate to see the best players, the tour getting fractured like it has. So, I don't know. I don't know. It'll be interesting. There's a lawsuit that just was filed today against the PGA Tour for, it's a, it's a designated nonprofit, and I guess they sued, some of the players sued that, you know, they've lost their endorsements going to live, and the, and the tour has, has bended them. So, I think it's probably all going to shake out in the legal system unfortunately and you know who knows how long that's going to take but anyway i hate to see it joe i i couldn't agree more do you see the live golf tour being a threat to the pga tour bill i think what probably is going to have to happen is they're going to have to sort of get in bed with them i think between the pga tour and the european tour which is called the dp world tour now they're probably going to end up having to integrate some of the live events as maybe co-sponsored with the PGA Tour and the European Tour. So I don't think the live tournaments will go away, but I think at some point, if there's that many good players playing on the live tour, you really can't just sort of ignore them and don't give them world ranking points and don't, you know, let them in your terms. Because now what happens to the PGA Tour when they're not attracting the top players? It makes it harder for them to get sponsors for the events for the big TV contracts. So I think it's probably what's going to happen is they'll have to sort of make some sort of deal with them. As much as I know the tour hates the thought of that, I have a feeling that's probably what's going to end up happening, uh, you know, maybe pending the litigation, you know, how it how it all comes out in court. Crazy, yeah, really, crazy really stuff. Is, yeah, it really is a mess. I mean, it's hard to believe it got to this point. And, and so jumping over to, to topics as far as the British Open, the next thing I want to talk with you about, Bill, is Tiger Woods. He'll be competing at the Open this week after not competing in the U.S. Open back in June. Do you have any expectations for Tiger Woods? Yeah, you know, that's one guy I would probably never, ever, ever count out based on, like, what he did in the 19 Masters. And, and I, you know, I was reading something where he said he really didn't play in the U.S. Open because he felt like if he did, he would have jeopardized being able to play the British. And British is perfect for him because it's a flat golf course. It's, you know, relatively short. So I think he'll have, you notice when he played in the PGA and the Masters, you know, it was the walking, I think, that bothered him as much as anything. So I think that should be less of an issue. Now, I know he played in that J.P. McManus Pro-Am last week and didn't play particularly well, but probably just shaking the rust off. But so, I know, Joe, it's hard it's hard to count him out, seeing what that guy's done through his career. So really nothing, nothing, if he played poorly, it wouldn't survive surprise me but if he was in contention on Sunday uh, that wouldn't surprise me either so uh, it'll really be interesting to see and so much of the British is luck you know you can you can get the early late draw and get perfect weather whereas the late early draw the first two days could get horrible weather so there's a lot of luck in the in that open championship on do you get the right side of the draw or not the best part of the weather although I hear the weather's not supposed to be too bad this week it'll be fun to see whether he can do something or not it really will and our final topic as far as talking golf with you Bill is this the British Open 
Open is this upcoming week at St. Andrews in Scotland. So who is a foursome that fans should keep an eye on going into this week's tournament? It's a good one. I've played there probably seven or eight times and probably more so than any other major championship venue anywhere, it would be a course where anybody could win. I mean, John Daly won there. Louis Eustazen won there. It's short. I have a feeling, I've seen some comments by some of the players how they're afraid that it's almost been passed by with, with equipment. Now four par fours there that players can drop. So unless they get some weather, it's going to be... It's probably going to be a pretty low score so and that resembles more of a regular tour event and i think that lends itself to maybe where you could get a guy that you wouldn't expect to be able to win a major that, that can do it in a place like that i don't know if i had to pick four i'd probably have to go with McElroy just because he's played so well in the last majors last 10 or so hasn't won and you know you got to think he's due i would probably say Zalatoris, who's finished in the top four in his first eight majors including the, the three they've already played this year. Shoffley, who just won two weeks in a row, would probably be a name. You know, I'm not really going out on a limb with any of these, am I? But it would probably be somebody I would look at. And uh, probably Justin Thomas. I mean, he's already won one this year. He's played well at He's played well at St. Andrews. Uh, I forget what he, he played. Dunhill or something there where he's played it really well. I don't think he's played in an Open Championship there yet. But those would probably be my – I'd probably take those four against the field, you know, almost. I, I, like, I like those picks, Bill. Well, Bill, I really appreciate you coming on this week and talking some golf and recapping your experience playing at the U.S. Senior Open as well as getting your thoughts on the live golf and previewing the British Open with me. I really appreciate your insight and perspective, and we look forward to having you on having you on the show again very soon sounds good joe we'll be seeing you before too long so uh i appreciate you having me on so that was a really good interview we did with our man bill van orman talking all things golf i really enjoyed his insight on his experience playing at the U.S. Senior Open, as well as his thoughts on the Live Golf Tour, his thoughts on Tiger, and then a foursome that he likes at St. Andrews this week. The other sports that Bill's like really, really smart and really knowledgeable with is college football and college basketball. I, when it gets closer to college football and college basketball season, I'll definitely have him on again. As well, talking all things, I really appreciate him coming on and talking some golf with me. And so before we get on out of here this week, guys, I want to tell you about our website. This is Finn Frost Seasons com. It's it's so, so what's exciting about fanforallseasons.com guys in, is you can go on there, you can read about how our podcast came to be, you can check out our merchandise store. And speaking of the merchandise store, we have new merchandise coming out very shortly. I've seen the details of how everything looks. It looks really, really cool. We've got we've got some new stuff dropping very, very soon. I'll get some more details out to you guys when that drops via the social medias, and I will let everybody know that we've got new merchandise coming to the merchandise store so be on lookout for that as well as our comfy colors t-shirts you can get them in a variety of colors so check out fanforallseasons.com and you can also go to fanforallseasons.com and look at our most recent episodes where this episode will be dropping either later tonight and so check that out and you can listen to all our past episodes as well also guys if you if you subscribe to the pod on any apple or spotify or any of those places or 
or if you're looking to find this podcast, you can find it in any of those places as well. Like and subscribe, guys. Like and subscribe. RG3 and I really appreciate it. So that's the good of fanforallseasons.com. And so before we get on out of here, guys, it's time to get one last word from our sponsor. And Fan for All Seasons is brought to you in part by Georgia Smoke Barbecue, authentic original oak smoked barbecue catering. You can learn more at georgiasmoke.com. So for my guy, Bill Van Norman, this has been Jam and Joe, and this has been another exciting installment of the Fan for All Seasons podcast. I'm going to talk to you guys next week. See ya!